Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the amount of whipped cream and sugared violets atop Mango Marines. We are three muggles who always stare back at the bush. My name is Sarah. I am joined by my co-host, as always, B. Jane Spencer. How y'all doing? I'm laughing at staring back at the bush now. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. BJ, how about you? I'm uh, doing quite well. I'm <laughs> excited to embark on uh, the next book. And we have a doozy of a chapter to start with. <laughs> yes, we do. We are in chapter one of book two of Harry Potter, The Chamber of Secrets. Uh, and what is the title of our chapter? The worst birthday. The worst birthday. It's very sad. Um, and so, as always, I have a lightning fast recap. We have some wordplay, which I hope will be a little bit uh, easier for BJ this it time is. around because I'm we're in we're in early excited. chapters, right? Yeah. Um, we have newbies notes from Spencer, and then I award house points, and uh, we have questions from the peanut gallery. We do. Uh, Sarah, how long do you think this five-page chapter will take you? Well, I've... Oh, so I practiced it without having a couple of drinks, and it took about a minute and 15 seconds. Wait, five pages? What? It's like 12 pages. For some reason, on Kindle, it says there are five pages, even though it takes like 12 Kindle pages to go through it. So, not sure what to tell you. But yeah, Yeah, probably 12, but 12 or 15. In the hardback version, it is 11 pages. Still, probably the shortest chapter we've done yet. Well, and it's it's a little weird because we are we are back to or we are potentially starting the beginning chapters of books, which is a little bit different from the first book, which had a lot of setup to to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I I am guessing about a minute and thirty seconds. All right, the timer is ready. At your pleasure. Okay. So we zoom in to find Vernon pissed off that Hedwig squawks all night, but he has her padlocked in a cage in Harry's room, so the casual animal abuse continues. Dudley is eating a lot, and then we have a big dust-up about quote-unquote the magic word. Uh, Harry obviously meant please, but the Dursleys have banned any mention of the M word, and I mean that M-M word, um, from the house and have locked away all of Harry's school books, his broom, etc. Lots of full cap sentences ensue from, Ver- from Vernon. Much exposition about Harry's background and first year of school, as if we've forgotten. And it turns out it's once again Harry's birthday and the Dursleys have once again forgotten. But they have planned a momentous dinner party to woo one of Vernon's potential drill buyers. They run through the schedule for the evening. Harry's role is to be in his bedroom, making no noise and pretending he's not there. Harry gets banished from the house while Petunia's cleaning and, feeling quite sorry for himself, having gotten no mail and no presents from his friends, he finds himself staring at a bush that looks back at him. Dudley interrupts. Harry pretends he's going to set the bush on fire. Dudley panics and Petunia sets Harry to uh, sort of forced labor as punishment. Right before the Masons arrive... Harry is shepherded upstairs where he's meant to remain silent and there's somebody else on his bed. Exactly a minute 30. Well done. (laughs) Quite impressed. Thank you very much. 
Well-timed. Well, uh, BJ, now that the Dursleys are back, do you have all kinds of little sweetie nubbykins little words for us? Um, I actually do, and I, I'm i curious how quickly you think I will get from a phrase in Harry Potter to the Supreme Court. Well, you already just did, so I'm guessing pretty quick. Yeah. So so the the phrase that, that tickled my funny bone in, in this chapter was jiggery-pokery. <laughs> That's a fun one. Which uh-huh. sounds a little different um, than Hocus Pocus. And for Pocus. the record, is one of the fake phrases that Harry is using when quote-unquote setting the bush on fire in front of Dudley. Yes. Um, so it's jiggery-pokery, hocus-pocus, squiggly-wiggly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to look it up, and it's actually a phrase that, that apparently is used in, in Britain that, that basically means... Um, deceitful or dishonest behavior so it fits a hundred percent in what harry's doing (laughs) basically being deceitful and dishonest about actually like doing magic or setting the um bush on fire however um when when you google this um you you come up with oh boy um antonin scalia just being difficult um (laughs) and he, he basically when uh people were having conversations about healthcare and 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 things like that in uh the mid 2010s um he was accusing uh people of interpretive jiggery pokery really yes and so time went into the history of jiggery pokery um and uh made a fun little jab at joe biden saying it's very similar to a bunch of different uh words such as humbug baloney bunkum hogwash etc or malarkey as joe biden is one to say Uh um which i thoroughly appreciated but apparently it comes from the scottish word juke which, as people that follow um, football might know that this is a thing that is fairly common in football or other contact sports where somebody sort of jumps out of the way of um, the, the definition is skillfully t- twist one's body to avoid a blow. Hmm. Um, and so basically the Scots being Scots, um, this led to the word jukery, um, and then pocky, another Scottish word meaning sh- uh, shrewd, gave re- rise to the phrase jukery puckery. And that essentially got eventually to jiggery pokery because of, I assume, interesting pronunciations of English evolving over a couple hundred years um, and was pretty much first used in the 19th century tale, The Black Dwarf. Well, all right. Damn, bitch, you went down the rabbit hole with that one. It was it was actually a very surface rabbit hole that that, <laughs> that I, I was just like, wait, why is Scalia coming up with a phrase from Harry Potter? I need to read this article. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Hence the internet. All right. Well, um, BJ, I'm very glad that we are back in Dursley-esque chapters. So am I. <laughs> 
Uh, Spencer, what do you have for us in newbie's notes? Uh, not an awful lot. I mean, this is a chapter that seems like it's very much set with reintroducing us to the characters. That I'm guessing these mm-hmm. books didn't come out back to back. There was a bit of a gap between them. And so it's only fair for the readers or even potentially new people coming in to start with this one, God help them, that they be reintroduced to what the hell this world is about and what occurred over the last book. So most of this is retreading. But there are a few things I did find interesting. One is how the Harry and the Dursleys relationship has changed and how it hasn't. One of the it meets it hits a lot of the same notes as we saw back in the first book in terms of, you know, the casual abuse, the wanton neglect. But one of the biggest changes is the level of interaction between them. That it seemed mm-hmm. like in the first one that they would purposely have conversations about him, but not with him. That it was a discussion of what, you know, this object that's in our house would be done with, rather than actually speaking with him as if he were a person. Those moments were pretty few and far between. And Harry kind of purposely avoided having them. This one, there's a lot more straight up from the very beginning interaction, straight up confrontation. Even Harry being a little bit defiant. And it seems that with this secret that the older Dursleys were keeping from Harry about his magical background and magical family now being out in the open, they can't really ignore him as much. As they express, they kind of view him now as a bit of a ticking time bomb, meaning that he has to be openly part of his plans and openly discussed and openly spoken with about aspects of what he is and what he's doing and what they want of him. And so it makes for a bit of a change in tenor in terms of how they go about their day-to-day life, which I can't say is entirely positive, We get one of the more straight-up acts of attempted bodily abuse on Harry in the course of this (laughs) chapter, when Petunia pretty much tries to murder him when she swings a frying pan at his head and luckily doesn't connect. Uh, So I can't say things have improved, but I think they've probably gotten worse in the sense that they're so utterly terrified of him now that even the use of the word magic is an issue that needs to be immediately and vehemently addressed. But it at least is different. He's also not living in the cupboard anymore, seemingly as a result of the fact that since they don't fully understand what he is and isn't allowed to do, they're afraid to deprive him too much. So It it also seems to be a holdover from the series of letters that they received in the first book. Right, of where they've moved him to a the guest bedroom, and they, I guess, felt that even now that he's back and there isn't getting new letters anymore, they can't take that away from him because he might set Dudley's head on fire. Who knows? Or he may or may not be under observation. Under observation? Where they locked him away that they wouldn't be able to see what things he'd be getting up into? Or that there is some uh, specter from the magical world continuing their observations that allowed them to monitor which room he was in in the first place. Ah, so some worry that various forces from beyond the magical wall may come in and judge them if they find out how they actually would be inclined to treat him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> completely okay with you know casual child abuse it's just like the cupboard part was not okay yeah yeah no no no. that's fine (laughs) there were spiders you know things certain things can't be done uh (laughs) interesting thing for me though is the lack of messages that was surprising that harry did build a collection of close friends and associates and teachers we saw the letters that helped freaking dumbledore kept sending him while he was at hogwarts the fact he's not received a single letter at all or even an inkling of them is weird and confusing so I mean, the only people that would probably be sending him letters other than dumbledore are not allowed to do magic well but they can use owls they can use owls or you know the post yeah i mean hermione lives in the regular world yes so she could easily post him a letter that's true so i find that confusing 
Uh, it's possible the Dursleys are hiding them, which I don't think they are. They don't seem like they're very good at, you know, subterfuge. It doesn't seem like <laughs> a, a word they either know or would personally practice. Um, it's possible that there's some ban on Harry receiving mail, but I don't know what that would be. But I'm curious to find out more about why that is, because it doesn't seem to match the relationship Harry had with his friends or what seemingly... What role he, the, the fact the world has now been exposed to him and he's part of their world, why he would suddenly be cut off like that. So in terms of writing letters, I, it's just, uh, it's hard to tell when this story takes place um, in terms of timing because letter writing kind of fell off the map, I feel like in maybe the 70s, 80s. Oh, I don't think that's true. Really? Mm-hmm. The exact time period of the Harry Potter world doesn't seem to really match our own. It seems to have take little bits of various decades and kind of smush them together. Where there's definitely sure. technology of the modern era, but it also has some fluffy duffy Dickensian charm of a prior, and that's not just in the Wizarding world either. Yeah, um, I mean, I can say that like the number of actual letters that I've written and posted in my life probably numbers under like ten that weren't like thank you cards for presents. Um, also, you were not alive in the 70s. Um, <laughs> right, but like... You also didn't have an... And this is a deep cut, but you didn't, as I did, have an aunt that would shun your family if you didn't write the thank you note for any given present that you'd receive. Well, I, I'm excluding thank you notes because I did write thank you notes and, and okay. mail them. So, so okay. that, that is something that I understand. But like just general letters. And I think mm -hmm. half of those were to people in basic training. Yeah, um, that's um, a substantial mm -hmm. portion of my letters over the last few, over the like last memorable period where they could yeah. not receive phone calls or email. This was the only way you could contact them. Right. Yeah, and it's possible that a lot of my experience has to with that has to do with being in the Peace Corps um, and anxiously awaiting letters. <laughs> so I'll be curious to learn more about that. I'm hoping for some explanation of that because Harry's clearly very much disturbed by it. It's very much breaking what he assumed was the nature of his relationships. That maybe he didn't really have any friends. Maybe this all was kind of a dream. Maybe he will forever be cut off from that world or has no connection to it anymore. And that's not nice and not fair. And so I'm curious what, what, what that'll be explained out. Oh, mm -hmm. and also, yeah, frying pan, not cool. I mean, <laughs> we, we, knew they, we knew they were abusive, but it was mostly an issue of neglect, which is still not good. It's all kinds of laws about that. But she just straight, straight swung a frying pan at his head because he made a joke at Dudley and Dudley got offended. And yeah. th then to follow that up, she works him without food in the sun for like eight hours with basically that I will not feed you until this work is accomplished. Mm -hmm. So though their relationship has changed, seems like it may at times have changed a bit for the worse based on some of these interactions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually have a little bit of newbie notes because we're very much getting into closer to my newbie territory. Oh um, yeah, that's right. But, but next book will be, um, I probably won't, per se, add to newbie's notes, but um, will be new for me. I just, reading this chapter, there was a paragraph that um, there's a running joke in anime that, like, in any given frame, you know exactly who the main character is because they're not at all in any sense of the word, like, normally dressed or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and they stick out. And so the descriptions of sort of everybody were hilarious because like everybody got 
two descriptors, basically, and then Harry had a couple of sentences. <laughs> and so Uncle Vern- Vernon was large uh, and neckless with an enormous black mustache. Aunt Petunia was mm-hmm. horse-faced and bony. Dudley was blonde, pink, and porky. Harry, on the other hand, was small and skinny with brilliant green eyes and jet black hair that was always untidy. <laughs> he wore round glasses and on his forehead was a thin lightning-shaped scar. And it's just like, if you knew nothing else, you knew exactly who the main character of this story Absolutely. was from Absolutely. that one paragraph. Yep. yep, that's a really good call. Followed up by the next three, pactors, three uh, paragraphs which go into the background of his family through his age of one. Yes, and so I did a little bit of a Spencer dive into the, well, why was he placed with the Dursleys? Was there really nobody else? Um, And I looked up a, like, family tree of people in the Wizarding World, and I stumbled on something hilarious, um, according to some people online, which I assume did their homework because it's been referenced very often, which is basically everybody that we meet in the Harry Potter books is part of like two or three families that are kind of related. Mm -hmm. Yep. And this is addressed kind of in later discussions of how the wizarding world works, particularly uh, if we are following along um, who might be considered more legitimately part of the wizarding world. Is this like quote, un- quote unquote, um, like horse bloodlines? Yes. Eventually, you all get back to the same. How how distantly are we talking? Uh, I think it. I, I can find the picture online and send it to you. It's it's just like there are like three or four people, like four or five generations back, and that's kind of it for like everybody mm-hmm. you meet in Harry Potter. Okay, there's a magical Eve apparently. Yeah. Very much so. It's yeah. more like Sirius Black's like great grandfather and or something like that. Jesus, that's very recent, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the Black family is like half of the Wizarding World. Dumbledore is like a minor branch, and then there's like one other major branch, and that's like everybody in Harry Potter. Unless you are sort of stemming from a Muggle family. So when they when they refer to people as um. Oh God! What was the term? It was muggles, and the, what was the other term? Moops. Pure blood. Pure blood. They they mean that very genetically closely. That there is a very isolated collection of blood that is informing these wizarding families. Yeah, no, there's a specific meaning for that, Spencer, which is a little uncomfortable. Yeah, they're essentially Arabians or Kobe mm-hmm. beef. Hmm. Okay. Well, shall we go into questions for Sarah? Well, I have house points to award. You do. Which is a little weird is it, because is it, we are is it in house the Muggle Dursley? world. <laughs> house Dursley points to award, which I think still align with who the winners and losers of a given chapter are. Um, I think that we can probably all agree that Harry did not have a good day. No, he had a very bad birthday. As Yeah, as evidenced by the fact that the title of the chapter is the worst birthday. There is no redeeming factor around this birthday. Really at all. He got one moment of pleasure that was immediately punished. Um, winner? You know, any of the Dursleys are, I suppose, sort of options. But I think the Dursley, that, that Vernon kind of came out at the, at the height of this day. Um, he has some work coming in the evening with this dinner party. He has to close this deal. Uh, but it doesn't seem that he has dealt with Harry in any way. 
that he has cleaned the house or prepared for this party in any way. Um, and that he just kind of got to do his thing over the course of this chapter. So I think he came out pretty well. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we got a, we got a certain showing that he has ambition I didn't think he had, that he's mapped this out with each of his family's props to get a business deal that will allow them to buy, what was it, a vacation home in Mallorca? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a man with dreams right there. Just, they're not magical dreams. No, they're, they're very pedestrian, <laughs> muggle dreams. But they seem nice. Mm-hmm. All right. So easy enough. Um, although what the what the other figure on Harry's bed means yet to be determined. Yeah, I already got spoiled as to what that is. <laughs> Spencer, I have a question for you. Yeah. yeah. Is there a reason that that you leave socks places? I'd like to say there was some elaborate scheme that's dealing with it, uh, but no, it's just simple oversight on my part and having lots of extra socks. Okay. Well, if you ever decide that you 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 need one of those socks back for any reason, I have plenty that I am willing to give to you. <laughs> Again, why did you pack them up to bring with you? You've moved houses since I was last there. I didn't. The movers did it. They also packed empty cat food cans. <laughs> <laughs> wow, points for thoroughness on their part. It is not their job to decide what is going or not. It was in the house, it goes in the truck. These are the rules. It gets wrapped in multiple layers of papers. We killed many trees in this process. <laughs> but everything arrived intact, including my socks, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. All right, questions for me. Uh, yeah, I'll start off with one. Uh, Harry suggests at one point that there is a certain degree of summer assignments that is expected of students of Hogwarts. However... We've also been informed that they're not allowed to practice magic when they're not on grounds. Yeah. Is, is Harry correct that there are summer assignments? And if so, are they much more focused on theory, I suppose? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's what we get in later books where he has a little more consistent leeway to kind of do this type of stuff. We see that he's writing a lot of essays, um, doing some research kind of things, things like that. But it is... You're right to point out it's inconsistent in what he is expected to do or even allowed to do on summer break and how that kind of works. We've seen with some of his classes that not all of them are focused on the active practice of magic. There's mm -hmm. studying of languages. There's studying a lot of history. There's certain things he can clearly do, but a lot of them are magically related. And if there's any way of prepping for each of his courses kind of thing, they've kind of hamstrung the students a little bit on how much they can prep. Particularly, like, he's expecting that he wants to be able to practice for Quidditch? Uh, are brooms allowed? Or that seems like an inherently a magical object. Well, and it's it's weird because we get, and I think we've talked about this a little bit in, in a different context in a different episode, but, like, there seem to be, like, slightly different rules for people who are living in essentially magical families and magical communities like the Weasleys are, for example, they're kind of out on the edge of a town, we find out very soon, um, without any practical muggle contact. Mm -hmm. And so they're, plus there are like seven of them living in the same household who are all practicing magic. So how do you regulate that if you're supposed to be tracking it, et cetera, et cetera. So there are like practically different rules 
in place for the Weasleys than there are for somebody like Harry, who is living in a very suburban muggle neighborhood in a family of muggles where, like, presumably, if anything magic happens around him above maybe a certain threshold, I'm not sure, the Ministry of Magic knows. I don't think they have to at this point. I think they've deputized the Dursleys to enforce those rules. Well, that 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 may be fair. I think they might also have other people on the job. <laughs> so I have a a question, mm-hmm. um, which I guess pertains more to the um, straight up practice of magic. So Harry seems oddly confident that like random phrases that he's saying. <laughs> aren't going to sprout <laughs> magic. And that seems like a really poor life choice, mm-hmm. especially given the like iffiness of like intent to do magic coupled with whatever words. I mean, he was doing magic without words. And so either like the words don't mean anything. And so Leviosa can be pronounced any which way you want. Mm-hmm. Or random words could do weird things. And maybe this is less of a question and more of a c- complaint. But, but I guess my question is just like, how, how confident do you think Harry is that something weird isn't going to happen when he does that? Um, or is just because he's not holding a magic wand and now has more control maybe that like he's just screwing with Dudley? I would suggest that Harry's not that smart. (laughs) Fair point. We have evidence for that already. Would you imagine that Hermione would be spouting random words? No. That may or may not be magic. And just hoping that they're not magic. No. Harry's an idiot. I I feel like I need to to excise that clip. (laughs) Okay. Good answer. I like it. I mean, as you said, it's also a case of where it seems like not all magic has been discovered, or at least new things are developed over time. So any weird combination of phrases, it may not even be an existing spell. It could be something that you just discovered on a lark right then. So there is a certain measure of risk in this. But as you said... Well, yeah, that's that's also true. Harry's not big on consequences. Yeah, I, I sort of imagine Harry as like a little bit of a swashbuckler. Yes. Um, you know, somewhere between like the bard of the group and maybe Nathan Fillion and in, in uh, Firefly or something like that, where presumably things will work out, but a little bit casual with live fire weaponry. Uh, we find that out very specifically in, for example, book four. Uh, <laughs> yes, some things happen, but I think that we do. This is. You are right, BJ. A little foreshadowing of the laissez-faire attitude that he takes towards what may or may not be magic. Gotcha. Curious to see that play out. All right. Any other questions? I'm good. Short chapter. We are back in the beginning of the book. We are back to our sort of time limit on the chapters. These were always (laughs) supposed to be short, and they got progressively longer throughout the first book, which I look forward to in the second book as well. Cool. Well, as always, it was uh, quite entertaining, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, 
some plot develop soon. <laughs> second chapter, I think. Coming back for next week with the second chapter, Dobby's Warning. See what that plays out of us. Sounds like some plot. <laughs> Till then. <laughs> <laughs>